And we find ourselves kind of in a, in a unique spot in the calendar. This is the first week of Lent. This will be the first Sunday of Lent. And I know in many Protestant churches and maybe in Calvary, we don't dive deep into the Christian calendar necessarily, but this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and this Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent. We also find ourselves in the second week of our prayer series. Pastor Michelle kicked it off last week, and so in these six weeks that we're heading into, in that Lent season, we're also just partnering with that into just as some specific time of prayer. So we're going to have times of teaching on prayer for the next few weeks. I even know some of our small groups are going through some prayer and fasting curriculum. I know as a staff, we're also just diving deep into this season of prayer as we look ahead to the Easter season and as we prepare ourselves to just remind ourselves of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so it's the first Sunday of Lent. We're in the second week of our prayer series, but it's also Family Day weekend this weekend. And so we are going to try and just kind of partner all of those things together in this message. We care deeply about family here at Calvary. And so some of you are sitting here, and you, right now your kids are being ministered to even in the kids' wing as we speak. And that's kind of where your family is at. Some of you have been through many different seasons of what family could look like. Small kids, older kids, out of the house. And you've seen all of those phases and how Calvary and church has partnered with you. Maybe some of you are here today and you really lean on the church as your family in this season of your life but we really just want to make sure that you understand and you know Calvary does care about family. And so today we're going to be diving into a little bit of Lent in the sense that we're going to be talking about maybe a liturgical and, and some rhythms of prayer in the middle of our prayer series with a focus on the family as well. And so the message today is called The Rhythms of Prayer. There's a quote that says, We become our habits which may make us a little bit nervous sometimes because we're, and it is true, we can probably see how we become our habits. We all have them, habits, good ones and bad ones. And so I just kind of prefaced everything that we're here as family and when you're with each other as family, you're allowed to call each other's bad habits out, right? You see somebody picking their nose, you, you point them out in front of everybody. That's what family members do, right? And so what I would like to do is just have a family moment to, to loosen us up a little bit and we are going to we're going to just, we're going to share. There's no guilt or shame in this place, right? We're going to just, maybe it's your neighbor, but I'm going to go through a couple bad habits. There's nothing too controversial in here, guys. I made sure I wasn't going to all of a sudden have too much guilt and shame because maybe we should feel that with some of our bad habits. But we're going to go through some of these, and I just want you to raise your hand if this is a bad habit that you have. And again, maybe your neighbor is going to nudge you because they know you have this one as well. So here we go. So, RC, there's going to be pictures, and you just follow my words here. So the first one, I think it's non-negotiable. Does anybody here have the bad habit of biting your fingernails. Does anyone have that? I'm putting my hand up because it's me. Oh my goodness. I don't think I've actually clipped my fingernails in 20 years. <laughs> They're just perfectly groomed whenever I'm stressed. It's, it's very easy. Um, okay, so maybe, maybe that's not you, but maybe do any of you guys have the bad habit of just too much screen time before you fall asleep? That's a bad habit, guys. Anyone have it? Good. Feel freedom in raising your hand this morning. It's okay. And my brother-in-law's here. Uncle Mitch, if you put your hand up for all six, then we might have to have a conversation. We'll see, though. But um, Does anyone have the bad habit of just showing up late? They're a late person. Oh, no. This is the one that bothers me maybe more than anything because I can't handle being late. Once you get married or you have a family or children, it's like, oh, some things are just out of your control. But some people have that habit. I'm not going to share everything. Does anybody have the bad habit of cracking their joints? Anyone have that one? Yeah. I've never understood that one fully, but I know have it. Does anyone have the bad habit of snacking late at night? 
After 8 p.m., you probably shouldn't be eating too much. How many of you guys are having full meals at the fridge? <laughs> uh, the last one, and then we can feel better about ourselves after, procrastination. Does anyone have the bad habit? I always just tell people, I'm putting my hand up, I always just tell people, I do my best work under pressure. That's a good quality, no? I was here last night finishing up my message. That's a good thing, no? <laughs> now, I was done ahead of time, just practicing. <laughs> okay, let's feel a little bit better about ourselves. Let's talk about some good habits, and maybe we can raise our hands for this. Maybe we won't feel good if you don't raise your hands for any of these. But um, How many of you guys exercise regularly? And I'm going to leave regularly up to you. How many of you guys exercise regularly? That's a good habit. It's good. Um, how many of you get an appropriate, I'll leave that up to you, amount of sleep? Yeah, it's a good habit. I'm not throwing any numbers out there, but you think it's appropriate? There you go. Um, how many of you read often? And again, often is up to you, but reading, what a great habit to have, reading often. How many of you, and this is a big one I think, actually take all of your vacation time? That's a good habit. Too many people don't do it and it blows my mind. Take all of your vacation time. How many of you drink the appropriate amount of water? Now, when I look this up, that's like 13 cups a day. It's insane, whatever it is. How many actually, yeah, I drink the appropriate amount of water. Not you, Kath. No, I'll call you right out. <laughs> uh, the last one, again, up to you. How many of you have a good habit of eating healthy? You're like, ah, I do. I eat appropriately. Look at us. We can celebrate with our good habits. We don't have to remember those first six that we were talking about. Habits in and of themselves, they're not the be end or the end be, be all and end all. But what they do is they do play a part in shaping who we are and who we're becoming. And some habits are way more helpful than others. And some are way more destructive than others. Here's the thing, habits are going to happen whether you want them to or not. When you turn your brain off and just live your life, you start to create some habits, whether you're thinking of them or not. And it's hard to kick habits, isn't it? Has anyone, and you don't have to say what it is, has anyone like kicked a hard habit and they're just really glad that they've kicked it? I remember my dad telling me about um, kicking one of his bad habits and he thanks God every single day, looking back at the time and the energy he spent into it 20 years ago. It's hard to kick a bad habit. I've been biting my nails for... 30 years, <laughs> still do it. Or you're just, you're falling asleep at night and you know you're not supposed to go up to that fridge and just literally all you can think about because you have some leftovers that are up there. Or that chocolate bar that was given to me while I was driving bus, it's already gone. <laughs> and it was like a Toblerone, like it was a big one, like <laughs> it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> I stress eat, all right? <laughs> Bite my nails and I eat too much chocolate. We become our habits, but we can make that a family day kind of special. We become our habits, and our children become us. Which means when we spend time and energy on our habits, it's not only us that are affected by it, your kids, and thus maybe your kids' friends are affected by it. We become our habits, and our kids become us. I bite my nails, but you know who also bites their nails? Willem, my son, my son bites his nails. And so something that I didn't kick, and it's maybe trivial, I can now already just see that little picture of my son now picking up something that I wasn't thinking about, and all of a sudden he's picked it up. I know there's some good ones that are in there too, but that was just an obvious one that I was picking up this week. We become our habits, and our kids become us. And so as parents, as family members, as aunts and uncles, we have the ability to shape the next generation. We have the ability to shape our children. We have the ability to influence people by just being very specific about what it is we spend our time doing. 
because it will just outflow into all other things as well. And so part one in this message, prayer is, and we read it already, and we're going to read it again, prayer is powerful and effective, more than a natural life, a supernatural one. Even just to kind of kick this off, and I know we had an intro last week, but just a, a, an understanding of, of prayer, what is it? It can be as simple as a conversation with God, and that can actually mean way more than just what it sounds like, a conversation with God. It actually was just it was blowing my mind yet again this week. A conversation with God. Prayer is the ability to not just have a one-way conversation. It's something we talk about often. We have the ability to speak to, to glorify, to talk to God, and he is there listening. But there is also times where we can hear from God's voice, where we can feel his presence. It's a two-way conversation. We've talked about that often. But what was really blowing my mind more this week, and it was really just speaking to me, is that when you have a relationship with somebody, it's not just a conversation, but both parties have the ability to affect one another. And so God has the ability to affect us, of course. Many people in this room have had an opportunity in their life where they have felt God affect them. Their life, their life was changed. They felt his presence. They were freed from something. They just felt his joy. There was just, they felt the effect that God had on their life. But what is mind-blowing to me is that God has set up prayer in a way where we actually have an ability to affect him which is crazy to me. It actually is insane to me that we have the ability to affect him. There are some things in this world that God is waiting to do, just literally waiting to do, and he's just waiting for the prayers of the people of God to just activate him to do it. We actually have the ability to change things in this world by praying. And God was really, really speaking this to me. Our prayers matter, Calvary. Our prayers matter. Our prayers can actually change things. Our prayers can actually activate God doing things in the world that are outside of our control. And we need to wrap our mind around that. James 5, 16, we read it this morning, but again, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Some things in life, and again, this was speaking to me today, and I feel like it's going to speak to you as well. Some things in life are literally hanging in the balance on whether or not the people of God are going to pray about it, which is it's crazy, but it's the way that God has actually set up things and designed things, that our prayers can affect what is going to happen. And so before I jump into the rhythms of prayer, because that's what has been given to me, talking about rhythms of prayer, I, just, I need to spend some time on this, on making us understand and realize that this is actually something that is going to make a difference. This part of the message, I'm telling you, was, it was for me this week. And maybe there's some of you who think like me, and I think it might just be for you as well. It's not just a habit. It has insane importance to the world. For me, it's easy to understand why prayer can be important because if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, of course you want to talk to them and communicate with them. It makes sense in my brain that the more that I communicate with God, the, the stronger our relationship is going to be. The more I'm going to become like Christ, the more he's going to be able to speak to me. But the hardest thing for me to wrap my brain around is that my prayer can literally supernaturally just happen. Something can happen. My, my prayer for that person who's sick can actually heal them. That's always been the thing that's harder for me to understand and comprehend. The things that make sense are like, of course, alignment, of course, spending more time. But that my prayer actually can have supernatural impact on the world, that's something that I always have to be reminding myself of. And I want, we just, we have to fully understand and believe that our prayers can affect God. There are more if-then clauses in the Bible attached to prayer than any other human activity. And what that means is, is there's a lot of scriptures that say, if you do this, if you love, 
then this is going to happen. If you give, then this is going to happen. If you're faithful, then this is going to happen. But more than any other human activity in the entire Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it says, if you pray, then this will happen. More than any other human activity. And what that speaks to me is that more than anything, God is actually just asking us to be praying, to be inviting him into whatever that is. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from them and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Matthew 6, 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mark eleven nine. 9, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be. More scriptures say, if you pray, then this is going to happen. God is asking us to actively just be praying. More than any other activity, he's saying, just be praying. That's the number one. Humans, and particularly humans like me, think that all things in this world can be moved forward by these things. And maybe it's, I'm not sure, I think there's more people. But strong leadership, if we want to get stuff done, we just need to have strong leadership. We need to have good communication, capable administration, we need to have hard work, you need to have, be making wise decisions, and you need to have good strategy. That's how things get done in your workplace. That's how things get done in the world. That's what I'm going to spend my time and my energy doing. I want to be a good communicator. I want to be organized. I want to make wise decisions. I'm going to, be, I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to do all of those things. And I, if I'm that type of person, then God can probably partner with me in doing these things. And what he's asking is even more than any of those things, can you be praying? Because that's actually what's going to push this over the edge, not your wise decisions, not your good communication, but have you prayed about it? That's actually the tipping balance of what is about to happen, and that's what I feel like God was speaking to me this week. Stop spending all of your time thinking about all of those things that are under your control, and have you actually prayed about it? There, there's a story in the Old Testament. I was listening to a sermon last week, and it just it gave a really good kind of visual. We're not going to dive too deep into it, but in Exodus 17, there's this story, and there's a battle happening between the Amalekites and the Israelites. And, and in this battle, I'm sure that these two armies had officers, and they had generals, and there was strategy. There was more numbers on one side than there are on the other side. And so everything in your mind and everything that they were thinking of was, this is how you're going to win this battle. Have we, have we made the good decisions? Do we have the right strategy? Do we have the best leaders? Who has more people? That's how we're going to know who's going to win this battle. But then all of a sudden, Scripture backs up. You want to throw that picture on the screen of just Moses standing up on a mountain. So while all of these things are happening down here, there's just this bad, they back up and they pan over the whole thing. And every single time Moses' hands are in the air, the Israelites are winning. He's, and he's praising and praying to God and Israel's winning. And every time his hands fall to his side, the Amalekites start winning. And it was just speaking to me this week about how this entire battle is happening and yet the whole thing that was pushing it over the edge was whether or not prayer was happening. And that was just speaking to me and I hope it speaks to you this morning is that all of your time and your energy when you're thinking about good decisions, strong leadership, capable administration, this is who, what we, have you prayed about it? Because that might be the thing that is actually going to tip the balance of the scales. Prayer is powerful and effective. And I just think too often, we just kind of put it to the side. And we just think about all those things that we can tangibly hold on to. It doesn't make sense sometimes. 
But that's the way God has set it up. Prayer is powerful and effective. And so when should we pray if we know that we should? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Well, I'm going I'm to stop at a spot of each of these scriptures. I just want you to speak it out loud. So rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be praying for all the Lord's people. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Luke 18, 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always be praying. And so prayer is powerful and effective, and we should be doing it always. We, we, we said the Lord's Prayer before we came in. And in that phrase of just, may your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth. I just want to dive into that for a second. So uh, when I was growing up, between the ages of 3 and 13, I had a best friend, and his name was Caleb. And we did everything together. We played soccer together. He was my church friend as well. I always remember vividly, he was my church friend that was allowed to wear shorts to church. And I was not. I always had to be dressed up with a collar on, and he could wear shorts to church. That's just a random side thing, but I remember that still. (laughs) And we would hang out at each other's houses all the time. And so I grew up on a farm, and so he would come to my house, and we would play in the hayloft, we'd build forts, we'd jump off beams, we'd go to the back forest, we would play soccer outside, mini sticks. In the summertime, we had like an above-ground pool, and so we'd go swimming. Those were all the things that were at my house. But how many of you guys know, especially younger people, that it's just so much more fun going to someone else's house because they have toys that you don't have, or they have things that you don't have? And so at Caleb's house, I just loved it because he had video games. And I didn't, I didn't have any video games growing up. And so I always wanted to go to Caleb's house because he had video games. He had an N64, guys. And, uh, and we would play Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, and we would play Smash Bros. and 007 and Super Mario Party, and we would, ha- like, it was just the best. We'd stay up way too late, and we would just play video games all night. I always wanted to go to Caleb's house. Now, what, what happened was, along the way, our parents, who knew each other well, were also trying to, like, teach us, like, manners and what you're supposed to do. And so one of the rules that was taught to us was that you shouldn't invite yourself over to somebody else's house. There's a specific way to kind of go about it, and it was so frustrating. So I was, when you were talking about a phone, the phones a couple of weeks ago, it was just a picture of my life where you hang up the phone, right? But it had like the super long cord that you could wrap around your house multiple times so you could walk and talk at the same time. But I was not allowed to call up my friend Caleb and say, hey, I want to come to your house. Let's do that. And he was not supposed to call me and say, hey, can we go to your, like inviting yourself over. They were trying to teach us that. But it was so frustrating because I don't want Caleb to come to my house. I want to go to his house. And so I would sit by the phone and I would just wait. And I would wait for Caleb to call me so I could go to his house, but I couldn't tell him because we don't have cell phones. We're not texting each other. Like I hadn't seen him since church on Sunday. How is he supposed to know I'm waiting by my phone so that I can go to his house? And at the exact same time, he's at his house waiting by his phone so that I can call him so that he can come play at the farm instead. And so here we are, both of us, waiting by our phones for the other person to invite us over because we just wanted to go to their house. And this picture, was just, I was just reminded of this picture today because I think this is what prayer is really showing us is God is literally out there waiting 
waiting to be invited into every single aspect of your life, and he's just waiting. And that's what prayer is, is every single time we pray when we wake up, we're inviting him into our day. Every time we pray at mealtime, we're inviting him into that. Every time we pray about those things, he is waiting to be activated. Our prayers matter. They actually have an effect on God because he's waiting to be invited, and he's waiting to be activated in some of those things. And so can we do that? I'm going to speak these as statements, and maybe one of these statements will speak to you. He is literally waiting for you right now to pray for your kids. God, would you, would you help me as I parent? I invite you into the process. May your will be done in my kids' lives as it is in heaven. He's, he's waiting for you to do that. He's, he's literally waiting for you to pray with and for your spouse Right now, he's just been waiting. God, would you show up in my marriage? We need supernatural help. We hear that stat sometimes of the divorce rate, but the the people that pray together, that divorce rate goes from like 50 down to like 10. And so my natural mind, like I was saying before, always says, well, of course it does, because that means they're communicating with each other, and that probably means they spend time with each other. Or it means that God is supernaturally showing up in marriages because he was invited into them. Pray with and for your spouse. God is maybe literally waiting for you right now to be praying for your work environment. God, would you, would your kingdom come at my job as it is in heaven? Would you work in and through me? He's waiting to be activated. Maybe he's waiting for you students to be praying for your school and for your teachers. He's, he's sitting there waiting. Would you pray God, may your will be done in the lives of my friends and my teachers in my school as it is in heaven. He's waiting to be invited into those things. He's waiting for you to pray for your neighbors. He's waiting for you to pray for the sick. He's waiting for you to pray for the needy. He's waiting for you to pray for that thing that has been in your life for yourself to just give it over. He's waiting to be invited into each of these things. Would you pray? Because if God is activated in it, Man, supernatural things can happen. When Jesus was invited to things, supernatural stuff took place. When Jesus was invited into a home, a hole was cut through the roof and a friend was healed and saved and set free. When Jesus was invited onto a boat, the waves and the the storm was calmed. When, When Jesus was invited to a party, he invited all the social outcasts and the entire town was changed. When he was invited into the temple, he would open scriptures that pointed to himself as the Messiah. When Jesus was invited to things, supernatural stuff happens. Invite him into your life. Invite him into your morning. Invite him into your family. Invite him into your meal times. Supernatural stuff takes place when Jesus is invited to it. Prayer is powerful and effective. And we should be praying always, continually, about everything because Jesus is literally waiting to be invited into each of those aspects. And so I wanted to just, before I head into all of those rhythms, the only reason why any of us would pick up a good habit to start exercising or start eating healthy is if you actually fully believe that something would happen if you spent your time doing it. I started to go to the gym a little bit more, and I would call my sister, who's a personal trainer, and I'd say, if I do, like, can you create something for me so that I know if I spend all of my time doing this, like, something's actually going to happen. Like, I'm not just wasting my time. We want to make sure, the only reason we would ever put time and energy into something is if we fully believed that something good was going to come out of it. 
And so I just needed to, before I dove into these rhythms, for you to fully understand that prayer is powerful and effective. If, if you invite Jesus into it, supernatural stuff is going to happen. Make it more than a habit. Implement it into the rhythm of your life. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so we're going to jump into the practical stuff to kind of close off. And there's different rhythms that we have in our life. And, and I liked this quote. It says, habits are not just neurologically formative. They can be spiritually formative as well. Right? So we know that prayer is a constant conversation we have with God. That they can actually change the balance of the world that we live in. That if we do it continuously, it's not just another thing that we add into our life. But if we invite God into every aspect of our life, supernatural stuff is going to happen. And so we should invite him into our rhythms. That's the word that I'm going to use for the next little bit. The rhythms of our life. There are so many different rhythms in our day that we go through. Different seasons, we have different rhythms as well. How you wake up every single day, that's a rhythm. How you leave the house every single day. Maybe your commute or your drive to work. And so specifically in this season of my life, I have a very specific morning rhythm that's different than it was for the rest of my life where I have certain times or spaces that are available for me to actually create good habits. So what you do at work every single day, how you eat your meals every single day, your hobbies, your relationship, your conversations, these are all rhythms. And so we're just going to choose four rhythms. And I would just like to literally practically just dive into them. And my goal is, is that in this Lent season, that you will take up one of these rhythms, or maybe you already do them, but you're going to focus on them a little bit more. And for six weeks, just to spend a little bit more time adding something into the rhythm of your life. And so the first rhythm is waking and sending. Here's just a quick kind of like peek into our life. <laughs> <laughs> which might speak to some of you guys, I'm not sure. Um, and so again, some of these stories are going to be for the, for the family specific because of this weekend, but any of these can be taken into whatever your morning routine is. So you wake up in the morning with an alarm, maybe, or maybe your kids just cried or yelled and now you're awake and you were launched into your day. You did not choose when you were going to wake up, but you just chose to wake up because your kids were ready for you. Um, and then all of a sudden you wake up and maybe the first thing you do is you look at your phone you, you scroll through a sports app or social media or whatever it might be, and, or you like, immediately start thinking about all the things that you're supposed to be doing at work. They just jump right into your head. Maybe you go through the motions of brushing your teeth and taking a shower and getting yourself ready as, long as, as well as all of the other humans that are needing to go somewhere and getting them all ready as well. People are not putting their clothes on that are supposed to. It's jean day. They're not allowed to wear track pants, but they didn't want to put them on. And so now there's already a fight in the morning happening because of what they're wearing. And, and maybe you're eating breakfast together, but they don't like what's out there, or they're eating something that you didn't plan on, or their water bottle's not full, and it's just a little bit chaotic. And now we're late. And now you're screaming because everyone is late, and you're about to rush out the door, but you forgot a backpack or something. And all of a sudden, you're out the door, and very quickly that morning, that's what that morning routine looks like. Now, for some of you, that might have sounded like the most chaotic thing ever, and maybe for some of you, you're like, hey, that was a pretty good morning. <laughs> like, you got out the door. <laughs> Different seasons and phases of your life, some of you can kind of picture what that morning routine would look like. The rhythm of waking up is so important because whatever pops into your head is usually the reality of what you wake up to that day. And so one of the things I want us to try and implement is just that the first thought and sometimes you can control it and sometimes you can't, but you can always react to it. What is the reality that you are going to wake up every single day to? Could you imagine if every single day when you woke up, the first thing that you thought of, the first reality that you supposed was that you were loved by God, 
that your life matters, that God wants to use you and you dedicate your life to him and, and you're like, whatever happens in this day, God, would you work in and through me? And you say a little prayer and you, you kick it off. What happens is most of us wake up to different realities. Maybe we wake up to work and emails just launching into our minds and our reality is the monster of performance. Maybe we wake up and we, just, we go to social media way too quickly and our reality is the, is the monster of, of envy and comparison. Maybe we wake up to just news and all of a sudden our reality is just a monster of fear and divisiveness. Maybe we wake up to our to-do lists and, and, and our reality is just a monster of busyness. Or maybe it was true that your kids just wake you up every single morning and you need to be on and your reality is just a monster of busyness. What you wake up to thinking about, spending your time dwelling on changes your reality. And so the first thing that we're doing today is just challenging you. Put it in your calendar, write it out. Maybe there's different ways that you can do it, but could you, just, could you imagine waking up every single day and just saying, I'm loved by God. I am a child of God. My life matters. I dedicate it to you. I invite you into my day. Just a one-sentence prayer. What could that be? God, thank you for the gift of another day. Help me walk in your love into whatever you have called me. Amen. And maybe you need to, to get up out of your bed and actually like kneel down because sometimes posture is very important because your brain is just on no matter what. But for the next six weeks, you wake up and you kneel and you just say that one-sentence prayer. Not, you don't have to have your brain fully form, forming big thoughts yet, but just wake up to the reality that you are loved by God. Invite him into your day. That's maybe the, st- the first step of a waking sending. The second is just looking to scriptures before your phone. I think this is a great piece of a rhythm that you can have. Your phone just has so many things like just going to dictate your day before you open it. And that's why, if possible, I know it's hard to even have a book or to have a devotional that's not your phone. And you just go to it before you even open up your phone. What a great rhythm to start. So not only are you dedicating and inviting God into your day, but you're just going to listen and hear his voice through scripture right away. And then the third one, which I really enjoy, is that before you leave your house, maybe it's in the car, maybe it's at the doorstep. So for me, I can just picture that before we leave, too often our day is just, are we on time? Can we get out of this house on time? And we're just rushed, and there's stress. And so can we not just be pushed by the reality of that busyness, but instead stop at the door? Or maybe you're going to create a rhythm that every single time you're driving to school or to work, there is this blessing of sending into your day. And so before you leave, maybe you can partner with your kids at the door, or again, maybe it's your drive into work. But there is something in your day to start it off where you are inviting God into your kids' lives and your lives. You're You're not being pushed by the busyness of life, but you're asking God as we go, We invite you into everything that we're doing. Here's the thing. Even if we add these three things in, that first thought in your mind, looking to scriptures, and then before you go ascending, you could still have that crazy chaotic day. I'm sure those kids are still going to wake you up. I'm sure they're still not going to put the pants on you wanted them to. I'm sure, you know what I mean? All of those things can happen, but you have these little moments where God is being invited into it. Maybe you do feel God's peace more than you have before, or maybe your kids do have something supernatural happen in their day. You're creating a habit and a rhythm of waking and sending. So that's the first one, and, and I want you to Think about in your own lives, what can you do to kind of put that in for the next six weeks? The second is this, the mealtime rhythm. 
We all have meals. This is an important rhythm in our lives. A quick picture into our meal time <laughs> of what that looks like is, I feel like I come home from work, and I, I don't love cooking, and the most stressful thing in my life is just, what are we going to eat? And I didn't go to the grocery store, and so maybe I have almost everything for tacos, but not enough. Or almost everything for spaghetti and salad, but just not enough. And so there's a little bit of stress there. And all of a sudden, everybody sits at the table, and you're trying to get them quiet, and you're trying to pray, but, but it's just chaos and noise. Maybe someone's leaving to go to the bathroom every five seconds, and you just wanted to sit around and have a conversation, but they're not telling you anything. How was your day? Good. Not much. And that's all you're really getting. As soon as dinner is finished, they're trying to get out of there before they're done. If they're finished, they're just trying to leave. You want them to do dishes. You, you know what I mean? Like there can be a bit of a chaos to it. And so there's a couple of things that I think you can add into it, again, that may just subside the chaos, but also just make it intentional as well. Eating should not be something that we do just to survive. Rather, it should be a time to commune with other humans in order to thrive. There are certain habits in our life that are keystone habits. They call them keystone habits. I think exercise is one, sleep is one, and eating is another one, where if you actually spend time and energy on that keystone habit, it will just infuse the rest of your life. If you, if you sleep well, you'll just see it everywhere. If you eat well, if you, um, if you exercise, those things kind of infuse. This one is just so important. And so what are some certain things that we can add into our mealtime rituals so that we are inviting God into all of those things? There was just a couple of practical things that we're going to actually start implementing, some of these things we do. But one was just even starting your mealtime off with a candle at the center of your dinner table. Our kids would love it because they like using the lighter and they want to put it on. And you just say a phrase together. Christ is light. Or Jesus is the light of the world, and it just kicks off your mealtime together. And maybe it's chaos around it, but it's just there's the start of something right there. Maybe you start off with a prayer, and you're actually going to hold hands specifically because there's just something about being a community. And, and I can just picture our boys not wanting to do it, but there's just something powerful about having physical touch around that table as well. There's just something beautiful about the fact that maybe you could set up your meal in a way where you actually have to pass the food to other people because you're actually giving and receiving at this meal. Maybe there's a moment where there has to be gratitude for whoever it was that was making it so that they understand that even if I wasn't the one making it, I'm just grateful for that person who did. There has to be a key part of your meal where conversation is happening so you can hear what other people are experiencing in their life. You can empathize with them. Maybe there's something that will be a prayer request at the end of your meal. Maybe just the fact that you always will be waited to be excused because even if you're finished and someone isn't, you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're thinking of somebody else. Maybe there's a moment of cleaning up together. Again, all of these things just sound simple, but there's just such deep meaning in communing together, eating together, inviting God into each of these aspects of your life. And what we find is that when we have a rhythm of mealtime where we invite God into it often, it's a beautiful outlook to who, whichever friend is over at our house that day because we would have that often. If you create these rhythms and these habits intentionally, inviting God to each of these moments, and all of a sudden a friend comes over and is sitting at your table, what an incredible moment to speak the love of God over their life as well. The third is this, the bedtime rhythm. And I just love this. No matter our failures of that day, we can rest in God's grace. So many things can happen in the life of your kid throughout their whole day. And for them to be able to have a moment at the end of their day to invite God into the process and just to feel his grace and his love and his mercy for each of us. Could you imagine falling asleep every single day with just that truth being speaking, spoken over your life? 
our bedtime rhythms are also like, again, we're just in a season where there's chaos. Sometimes they're beautiful. Last night, just laying down with my boys and we're just chatting with each other. Sometimes it's not that. <laughs> and anger comes up often, usually. And so what are some rhythms that you can put in your, again, this could be family-focused here, but individually, what kind of bedtime rhythm are you going to put in place so you can invite God into that specific rhythm of your life? Finish every single night resting in the grace of God. I think something we should do with our kids always is just speak truth over them. Kath always had this thing she would do with her boys where she would just speak lines of truth over them. You are made by God. You are good. Mm, how did it go, Kath? I'm strong. I'm able. I'm loved. Loved by God. Loved by my family. Especially my mom. That was her version, I guess, yes? And I was made very good. Just these statements that you can say together, just speaking truth over your kids' lives. And I'm saying, kids, you need to speak it over your own life as you're falling asleep, having those moments where you just speak those true statements to shape your reality. With kids, you can make it interactive. You can, you can touch their feet or their hands or their back or, you know what I mean, all of those blessings that you can just speak over them. There was even like, just these little things, making it interactive as you tickle your kids because they're just in a goofy mood. God made this child find joy in their life that you have given them all their days. Just speaking blessing over them, making it interactive even when there is chaos going out. I know people who touch their feet and say, bless their feet. May they bring them good news. Bless their legs. May they carry on in times of suffering. Bless their backs. May they be strong enough to bear the burdens of others. Bless their arms to hold the lonely and their hands to do good work. Speak truth into yourself, into your kids. Maybe after your kids are asleep because it's just not going to happen, maybe a rhythm you can put into your life is just you go to their doors or maybe you text them or you call them if they're not there and you just speak a blessing and you speak truth over them before you fall asleep and it's a part of your rhythm. The last rhythm is like a family, a family devotion rhythm. This is a once a week rhythm that can just change and radically transform your life, but your family's life. Again, this could be a spouse, this could be with a friend, this could be a, a meetup, but you should do it with your kids. And I just liked this phrase. It's, it's literally not about perfect practice, but it's about doing something rather than nothing to start. That's probably for most of us. It's just like, oh, well, what Bible should I use? What story should I tell? Well, how are they going to listen? Do I need to have something? Let's start by just creating a time that we are already meeting together. Maybe it's Wednesday after dinner. There's going to be a treat attached to it, so they're already excited about it, but you start this family devotion each week where you pray together, you open up scripture together. It's not necessarily about doing it perfectly, but putting it in the rhythm of your life so that as a family, you are gathered together. Families, you're the key spiritual influence in the lives of your kids and yet so often we leave that to the kids' ministry or the youth ministry or to those that are teaching them in the school system or whatever it might be. That's where they're getting it and they're looking for it from you. They want to see you praying. They want to see you reading scripture. They want to hear you speak life over them. They want to ask you questions. It puts an onus back on us as parents as well. Maybe you're just keeping, so look for times you already gather once a week. You don't have to overwhelm yourself, but we are always here together. Maybe it's morning, afternoon, nighttime, depending on your season. Keeping their hands busy, and so maybe there's a drawing piece, or maybe there's a food piece. Maybe you're reading a scripture together. Maybe you're memorizing it. 
You always encourage questions because such incredible conversation can come from your kids as they're just asking great questions, and then you pray together. Invite God into your family, Calvary. And so for the next six weeks, these are just four options. Maybe some of you guys do all of these, but maybe you're going to intentionally for the next six weeks have that waking rhythm be a little bit more intentional. You have a habit. This is what it is, but you're going to be a little bit more intentional. Or maybe you can do it with your mealtimes. Maybe you can do it in your nighttime routine. Maybe you can start a family devotional that's just going to be weekly and just start for six weeks. I promise if you invite Jesus into that aspect of your life, supernatural things are going to happen. Because, why? Prayer is powerful and effective, everyone. When you invite Jesus to stuff, supernatural things happen. The worship team can, can come up. I would just love to close in prayer. Again, so a little bit, hopefully, of just reminding yourselves of the power of prayer, but just really practical in this season of Lent, even if you don't go through the Christian calendar, these next six weeks as we talk about prayer every Sunday, what are some rhythms that you can just infuse into your life so the power of God is just going to be in and through your family? And so would you stand with me just for a moment as we close in prayer, just as a congregation, again, I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to pray with you, But there might be something that God is speaking to each of you in your own lives. As I was just speaking, maybe certain phrases or words or scriptures or like that one was for me and God was directing it to you. And so let's just go before God and just open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear from him one more time. God, as we just had a moment to hear from different scriptures and be reminded of the power of prayer, would you speak to us in this moment? God, as we reach out to you corporately, As we reach out to you individually, we know that you are here. We know that you are listening. We know that you have the ability to speak to us. But would you just remind us, would there just be no doubt in our mind of whatever it is that next step is that you're looking for us to take? Would we invite you into our families? Would Calvary just be known as a place that has families where God has been invited into it, marriages where God has been invited into them? I pray that there would be supernatural stuff that takes place over the next six weeks just because you have been waiting to just involve yourself in our lives lives, and we are going to ask you. And so, God, may we be activated in that today. Continue to speak to us, God. Continue to just show up in our lives. Give us rest and peace and joy. Would there be just stories of workplaces being transformed, of schools being transformed, because God was invited into the process. I pray that you would just meet with people here As soon as they wake up in the morning, would you shape the reality? I pray that there would be families gathered around their door before they leave and spread out for the day, and would you be invited into those moments? I pray that as people eat together with their kids or their neighbors or their coworkers, that you would be invited into those moments. I pray that as we fall asleep every single night, would your truth just pour over us? Would we feel your spirit just in us, and would it just fill our homes? God, I just pray for those moments weekly as we gather together in meetups, as we gather together as families where your presence is just so obvious. God, would you do a work in the lives of the people at Calvary? We invite you into it. We thank you and we love you and we all said together, amen.